This episode of Jam Session is brought to you by Miller Lite. Did you know that Miller Lite was the beer that launched the light beer category? Miller Lite is the original light beer, and from the start, it has never compromised on taste. That's because it's always brewed to have more taste, with only 96 calories and 3.2 grams of carbs. Miller Lite, hold true. This episode of Jam Session is also brought to you by MAC Powder Kiss Lipstick. MAC Powder Kiss Lipstick is matte reinvented. The new matte formula is where matte meets moisture, giving you the zero-shine look of a matte lipstick with instant long-term hydration and a weightless, cushiony texture. The velvety soft matte colors glide on effortlessly with a wide range of shades that are sure to complement any skin tone. Head to your nearest MAC location to meet your matte today or shop at maccosmetics.com. Welcome to Jam Session. I'm Juliette Littman. I'm Amanda Dobbins. Hi, Amanda. What's up? Hi, Juliet. Many PR disasters to cover. Yeah, this is just like some textbook, don't do this. Totally. It's really great stuff. I'm excited. Let's get into it. We're going to talk about Taylor Swift, but first, Constance Wu. Public enemy number one of like many people on the internet. I loved this. This was great because this just didn't have to happen. It was phenomenal. And there are almost no stakes to it. No one is really hurt. And it was hilarious. So should we just recap? Yes, let's please. So late Friday afternoon, ABC was announcing its renewals and cancellations because it's, you know, kind of network upfront TV time right now. That's a thing that still happens. Yes, Whether or not you pay attention to it. And they announced that they would be renewing Fresh Off the Boat. And Constance Wu, one of the stars of Fresh Off the Boat, takes to both Twitter and Instagram to express her total displeasure with this news of her continued employment. Yes, she's pissed. So on Twitter, she's literally, I'm, they're still up, by the way. This Incredible. is the most amazing thing is that the tweets are still up and we'll talk about why they are. But the first one is so upset right now that I'm literally crying. Ugh, fuck. And then another tweet, fucking hell. And then over on Instagram, she showed up on the Fresh Off the Boat Instagram and just, and where they announced the renewal and she just commented dislike. So this is like a multi-platform public wine fest. And initially people were like, oh, this is because she's upset about her show being renewed. And this one guy tweeted about it. And she responded to him, I said I was upset and crying. I did not say it was over a TV show you're making an assumption. Wait, wait, wait. Though There was another one where someone was like, congrats, this is great news about the renewal. And she replies on Twitter, no, it's not. No, it's not. Yeah. Yeah. So like she is doing all of these simultaneously. And I think like she is on Instagram responding to the renewal with dislike, which she like literally wrote out from her account. So guys, she was on social media complaining about the show being canceled. That that is like an objective. We have we have the facts. We have the receipts. Multiple people saw it. Whatever comes next, which is a lot, because she really tried to spin it. She was in public whining about uh, her There's, show being renewed after initially denying it too, and not deleting that tweet. There is just like that. That's what happened. It's just so so funny. So people noticed this pretty quickly because it was a Friday afternoon on the internet and no one goes outside. So everyone's just waiting to leave work, sitting at their desks. Right. So people are paying attention to this. And the first thing she updates is that was not a rampage. It was just how I normally talk. I say fuck a lot. I love the word, which like who cares? No one is upset about the fact that you're cursing, but whatever. Y'all are making a lot of assumptions about what I was saying, and no, it's not what it's about. 
No, it's not what this is all about. Stop assuming. Stop assuming. Okay. And then another one. So that happens. And everyone's like, okay, so you're trying to deny. It, yeah. Yeah. Which like, absolutely not. And that lasts not very long. And at the same time, these like four to five tweets are enough for everyone on the internet who has ever had a bad feeling about Constance Wu to just start sharing publicly. And that like suddenly random people on Twitter are being like, it is well known that Constance Wu is very difficult to work with, which like, I mean, I don't agree with any of this, this behavior, but also like suddenly 15 million people, not 15 million people, but a lot of people a were lot, like, yeah. this is my opportunity to just like trash someone for being really mean. So it becomes like a full debacle really quickly. Then she tweets again. Today's tweets were on the heels of a rough day and we're ill-timed with the news of the show. Please know I'm so grateful. I love the cast and crew. I'm proud to be a part of it. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, so that's on Friday. That's kind of what she does and she tries to clean it up. And Juliet, did it, does it work? No, it doesn't. No. We're here still talking about it. So people like keep going and are sharing news about how she was allegedly hard to work with on the Fresh Off the Boat set and on the Crazy Rich Asians. And then other people are like, it's always women who are like difficult to work with. And it becomes this whole like brouhaha. And then for some reason on Saturday, she releases another statement. A statement, yes. Which is um, like a, not quite a screenshot, but like something that she crafted as like a PDF and then cropped and sent to her phone. Right. And she posts them, like the actual tweet, is these words are my truth. I hope you hear them. And then a photo embed of this statement, which is really long. I just want to say it, it only has 2.7 thousand retweets, which I consider low for a, a, a contretemps of this, of this magnitude. Right. Well, you got to figure that a lot of people are also just using the image. Yeah. Yeah. Just that's take, what happens. Yeah. And basically the argument she tries to put forth is that she was going to do another project and the renewal of Fresh Off the Boat meant that she was going to have to say no to this other work that she wanted to do. And she was upset about that. Um, okay. And she's like, I, I know can, that I it's... I can believe that. Right. And she's like, I, you know, I know it was really ill-timed and I know that some people won't understand that, this and I'm still really grateful to Fresh Off the Boat and blah, blah, blah. Um, but the way that she says this... Is just insane. There are some real gems. Read some of your favorites. So she's like, she explains that, you know, I was upset because it meant I had to give up another project, whatever. Fresh Off the Boat is a great show that I'm proud of and that I enjoy. I've gotten to fully explore my character. I get to work with a kind and pleasant cast crew, which makes it all quite enjoyable. So obviously, I don't dislike doing a show that is fun and easy and pleasant, which is the most condescending way that you, it's fun and easy and pleasant. Yeah, it's not like a challenge. It's not rigorous. It's not. Right. But so like that on its own is very dismissive. And then she goes into this whole thing about how she's like an artist and she really wants to do things that challenge her. And like even her friends don't understand that how I could value artistic challenge difficulties over success and happiness. Fam, you are a sitcom actress and you had one movie which was Crazy Rich Asians, which I really enjoy and have seen three times. Me as well. But again, is that challenging? Are we is that rigorous art? Like are is is this going in the MoMA? The reason why it's a great movie is because it's like candy. Yeah. It's like of course. It's not like some deep, provocative, whatever. Sure. I am 
biased against anyone who describes themselves as like an artist committed to their craft ever. I find it to be the most pretentious nonsense of all time, which is different, by the way, than appreciating art and craft and intellect and ideas. But I often find that the people who are like, I'm an artist and who want to talk about their craft are the people who can't actually deliver on art or craft or ideas or performance or anything. They talk about themselves instead of actually doing work and creating stuff. This kind of seems like a case. But then, whatever. She keeps going. The the end is the real thing. People can hold conflicting feelings in their heart. That conflict is a part of being human. So I can, you know, love the show and be disappointed, whatever, blah, blah, blah. She's saying all these things. It goes on for far too long. And then literally here are the last two sentences. Thank you. It's meaningful when you make the choice to believe women. This is this is fucked up. It's like that it's is like legit fucked up. That's like Constance Wu. You're you're never coming back from that one for me and for a lot of people. Yeah, because she's basically equating her tantrum on social mm-hmm. media with um, women who undergo sexual assault mm-hmm. and have to like make their case. Yeah, and that is a bonkers conflation. It's not even a conflation. It's just like straight up. Um, inaccurate irresponsible and, uh, irresponsible and offensive yes <laughs> it's crazy it's, it's like a hard no it's don't even try that Constance Wu I wouldn't say this statement was received well no not at all and then Gemma Chan yeah who was with her in Crazy Rich Asians and who was I probably preferred in Crazy Rich Asians not that you have to choose mm-hmm. but as you know I always do make a choice um, she liked picture I believe that was like a diss of of Constance Wu basically it was like some random Instagram essentially and then she said she slipped and she didn't mean to do it on purpose she also liked one of the tweets that's like it's well known that Constance Wu is difficult to work with so Gemma Chan not a fan oh they didn't have that many scenes together to be honest yeah that's true frankly I don't really think that they did Gemma Chan's character a lot of favors in Crazy Rich Asians they didn't know what to do with it which is a bummer because she's the most interesting character in the book but what are you gonna do yeah, and then she she has since disavowed that, but like it took a suspiciously long time for her to be like, no, I just slipped. Yeah, I know. Gemma Chan just sort of like, whatever. And no one else has really come to Constance Wu's defense that I have seen. No, no one has. Now, some of that is just like everyone loves a true fuck-up narrative, and she is just being really unlikable in public, and... This cast. These are the facts. So, you, like, you can kind of be mean about it. And, like, it did become a pile-on. And yeah. people do like to pile-on. But I kind of don't feel bad. This is such an unforced error. I know. And the last line of, of her statement, just... Exactly. Any goodwill she may have built up just kind of knocks it all out. Yeah. Also, I feel like this cast, more than with other movies, spent so much time together because they promoted the shit out of this yes. movie. That I feel like if she was friendly with them, like, if she had a... Maisie Williams to her Sophie Turner like we would know mm-hmm. and it just doesn't seem like she's got many friends and that was my other thing is that if I were in her situation I would have like a friend who I who like knew that I didn't want the show to be renewed who I would text and be like fuck or like I'm pissed or whatever right like you direct that offline or even your or you know you tell them go to your social media it goes to your friend or people you trust to me my number one takeaway from this rant is that she doesn't have anyone in her life that she can text to be like I'm dismayed so she needs to put it online yeah. So I Twitter's think her also friend. Also, putting it online is making it about you to a bit of an ex, you know. Yeah. Which, like all actors and actresses do, it's like inherent to being an actor and actress. But that, to me, it's just kind of, it is indicative. It's a confirmation 
of some other things that were said. Sure. Do you think that she was trying to get fired by doing this? Oh, interesting. Uh, possibly. I mean, the, the real fuck you now would be to not fire her. They aren't. They yeah. announced today that the ABC is like, there are no plans to recast her. Incredible. They will. So, in a sense, maybe she was, and it didn't work out for her. However, I do love a recast. I would have loved it. The recast is so far out of favor, but it would have been really funny in this situation. It would have been funny. I do think it's funny to do kind of like the Suzanne Summers, like one minute, you know, make her stay and inconvenience it as much as possible, sure. but she still has to say no to things because she's under contract. I mean, that's, you know, like that verges on another line of studio contracts that have historically taken advantage of people and you don't want yeah. her to like have no say, but, and like, that's pretty punitive and yes. vengeful. And I don't want to be on the side of like a major corporation usually, but also that would be pretty funny. I wonder if they'll like change the writing though, so that she doesn't have to act with as many people. Like if she's like kind of when on the good wife. Yeah. Was, like I was about to say, there like was a Juliana fight. Margulies. Yeah. The Archie Punjabi, Punjabi situation. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. then when Kalinda basically was acting with no main cast members and Lena Headey this season on Game of Thrones, like basically not at, not with the main cast. Like when yeah. that kind of thing happens, there's like an obvious rift and it comes up in the writing. Yeah, that's true. I just love a scandal like this. The, the other thing is like, this is fun because no one got hurt. Like this is just, exactly. this yeah. is just like people be, some one person just being out of control and kind of an asshole. Yeah. I love it. I think it's really fun. Like, like Billy Eichner and other people like who are employed in the entertainment industry, they rarely pile on on other people, yeah. but like they were making fun what of it, Billy which Eichner I really say? Enjoyed. I mean, I love Billy Eichner. He was just like uh, something to the effect of like, I need you to know I'm not here for the challenge. I'm here for the money and oh stuff like this. You know, like people just like making fun of her statement and her sentiment, which I thought was great. Cause they're also, in addition to all of this, it is really, she's being ungrateful for having a job and being employed, which is very hard for a lot of people. It's a great job. Hilarious. Yeah. Can you come back from something like this? I don't think so. I just think that for at least two years, like anytime she gets a new role, she's mentioned, this will like be a, a part of the narrative for her. But I don't know, like she's, how famous do you think she is? I think she's pretty famous. I'm not sure. I don't have a great I, handle on it. Yeah, I guess. Like, I, mean, I, think, I consider Gemma Chan way way more famous, but that might be wrong. I th that seems true, though. I, I, some of that just seems like but Kate Howell being really into her, and we just hear a lot about her. Gemma by, Chan? Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Um, I, I think that she is pretty famous because she has, like, a lot of different— the, the ABC sitcom audience is probably overlaps, but is different from the Crazy Rich Asians audience. Yeah. And there was so much promo for Crazy Rich Asians. Like, like just so much. They it's crazy. sold the hell I, out of that movie. I enjoyed it because Henry Golding is a true, true babe. I just want to say for comparison on Instagram, Kansas Wu, 853,000 followers. Gemma mm -hmm. Chan, 1.1 million. Yeah. That's usually, for this kind of star, I think that's pretty a good indicator. Not all, but some. I think those are pretty close, though. Yeah. And none of them are in the $5 million or $25 yeah, million dollar range. Not $25 million dollar range. That's yeah, true. I, I agree. I think it definitely follows her for a while and with good reason, though you can already see it being twisted into the, you can like see the soft focus profile when she's in Vanity Fair and five years from now and they're like, well, sometimes she, you know, people called her unlikable and hard to work with on set, which is what they always say to women. I know. And, and that's true. But in this case, it's kind of out in public. It, it's fair. Sure. But I say one of the things is, Sometimes rumors like that or stereotypes like that mm -hmm. start 
from a place of truth. Yeah. And with her, it's from a place of truth. Right. And it's hard because then everyone does it, uses it as an excuse, as we saw on Friday, to pile on and talk about a lot of stuff. But I really do honestly feel the pile on in this case was not because everyone hates her. It's because, like, what are you doing? It was funny. You closed one Twitter, you closed one app and opened another. That's the thing for me. When you really got to take it to a second platform to share your bad attitude, it's on you. Very weirdly, she didn't post the statement to her Instagram, which I, I thought was strange. Yeah, I don't know. So her social media strategy is also bad. That's true. I guess, like, maybe you can't enlarge it as much, and it's harder to read on Instagram. I don't know. I'd love to know what project she's no longer able to do. I'm sure we'll find out at some point, don't you think? I mean, knives are out for her, kind of, which is tough. I wish she had just, like, said what it is, tweeted about it or something. Right. Straight from the source. I'm Uh, sure at some point that it will be revealed. I've never read the Crazy Rich Asian book, so Mm -hmm. how big is her, her part in the second one? It's really big. I kind of, I don't love the second book as much. Don't they go to like Beijing or something like that? Yeah. So I can share the premise. The, if you remember in the first movie, the at some point she finds out that her father's still alive. That Like she finds Got out it. that her true parentage and the story of her mom and her dad. And the second book, they go in search of her dad. Oh, interesting. So it is like really centered on her. Oh. And then at the same time to keep it, so that's kind of, they're in mainland China uh, doing that. And then in Singapore, the Astrid plot line, which is the Gemma Chan yeah. character, is a lot more central. Oh, so so those two can go their separate ways. Yeah, sort of, except like I didn't really feel that they developed the Astrid, who's Gemma Chan's character, right. enough in the, like they, it was really just like she should be able to shop. And then, and not have to hide her things. Right. And then she stood up for herself and was able to shop, which is like definitely a part of. Maybe the second movie will be more hers because people don't like Constant Will. Constant Will. Maybe though, I, that's the other thing. I felt like people really liked her until this. She's very good in the movie. She's really good in it. And this is also one of it's an unforced error because even if there are industry rumors or if she is like kind of difficult to work with, I don't think anyone who watches her in movies and television knew that or cared about that. And she was very, very charming and crazy rich Asians. And then she just took it public herself, which is like, I mean, I guess sometimes you can't help yourself. It's true. I don't know, but try to help yourself or employ someone else. Here's one more thing I wanted to talk about this. Just why does she have her Twitter password at this point? If this is a liability, why does she have her own Twitter password? What's your publicist doing if not saving you from yourself? I just, if I had, I don't think anyone with this level of Twitter followers or this level of image management required should just willy-nilly be able to do this. It seems nuts to me. And I always assume that there is a team involved for most celebrities, and I think there is. But I guess a lot of them, it seems really nuts to me if millions of dollars are on the line for a tweet that you just are allowed to have Twitter on your phone. And I, like... Or Instagram or anything else. And I understand that, like, governments are now organized around this shit, which is a larger problem. That's the really serious one without going too far down the thing. But I just, that's common sense. You got to have a buffer. I know. I, I don't I don't understand it either. It doesn't make any sense. Do you think she still has her Twitter password? Definitely. That's a mistake. Although she hasn't really tweeted in the last couple of days very much. So perhaps she's learned. Right. Final thing. Yes. She left the tweets up. I know, but she deleted some. 
but not all. The replies she deleted? She there's two that are still up, but I think she I think she did delete some of them. Okay. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, do you think it's just for plausible deniability because that way she can say it was about something else? No, it doesn't make any sense. Okay. No, I mean the replies that she left, if she maybe I'm wrong that she deleted some, but I think she did. The two that are left are like I don't know. They don't make sense. It's just one, actually. The other one is someone who supports her. She deleted the one that was like, it's not a good, it's yeah. not a good thing. That she deleted the reply. But the original tweets are still there. Anyway. You know, Constance, Constance Wu, Wu. I good luck. I'm looking forward to seeing what she does next. Maybe it's an ad maybe this is the wake up. Maybe this is an attitude change. Maybe she gives the passwords to someone else. Perhaps. Maybe someone else has learned. It's the intervention she's needed. Don't be an asshole in public. That's just hilarious. Just don't be an asshole in public. That's the one takeaway. Do not be an asshole in public. I say good luck to her fresh off the boat colleagues. Yeah, that's true. Tough I do one. too. Yeah. Let's talk about Taylor Swift. Yeah. It's Taylor Swift season. She's back. I'm hoping this can be our one podcast. Do you think her album's going to be successful? Uh, not in the same way that the previous ones were. Right in 1989. Yeah. Those are monsters. Right. And I think that that's as much because of just how the music industry has changed and, um, you know, how young people have gotten older and then there are new young people <laughs> and they feel differently. As a side note. Yes. Did you watch the diary of a song from the New York Times about Old Town Road? I did. Holy crap is little Nas X charming. It's extremely charming. Total charisma. Total I, charisma. I'm like, let this guy, let's just get him a variety show right now. And also his producer, Keo from the Netherlands, also very charismatic. But Nas just blew me away. I, yeah. I, I wasn't, I like that song, obviously, but I just wasn't deep in the media related to it. And I watched that video like four times and I just right. like, wow, this guy is great. Well, the media related to it is the reason that it's, it is successful. Yeah. It started on TikTok and it is like as much about it's, true viral it's meme power, which memes require savvy and understanding savvy, of charm, the, yeah. emotional, like emotional IQ. You know, you have to understand the, all of the social aspects and what people want. Right in like a really, really specific way. So it makes sense. It's now the most streamed song of all time. Yeah. Number two is in is the In My Feelings song by Drake. Mm-hmm. What's that song actually called? I can't remember. Uh, I thought it was is called it? In My Feelings. Oh, I think you're And then right. it's just Kiki. Kiki, do you I love me? I call it Kiki, do you love yeah. me? Yeah. <laughs> um, and when I was watching it, I was like, yeah, this guy's on the Drake scale. And he is, Which is, again, the internet scale. Yes, yeah. totally. The internet charisma and, like, getting it scale. Mm -hmm. And those are the things that are popular now and do really well and exactly what Taylor Swift does not get, but is trying to. So let's... Sort of. of. Let's, um, let's just kind of skip past the Billboard Music Awards where she had this stupid Beyonce ripoff something um, performance. She, yeah, it was either straight plagiarization or total tone deafness to the point of plagiarization of... So she came out with a marching band at the Billboard Music Awards for her new single, Me! Exclamation point. And there, are, there is like a big... It does begin with a big drum line. But the way she presented the performance was just too similar to Beyonce at Coachella and Homecoming had just come out. It was just really tonally dumb. Right. Even if it's not a ripoff you need to know not to do that. Like you, it, it, it is indicative of her just not being in the mix and not knowing what's going on and not knowing that it was coming out like a couple weeks after Homecoming on Netflix. Yeah. And that it's just like, it's either poorly It's either planned. a copycat or idiocy yeah. to the point of it might as well be a copycat. I, I tend to think it's the latter, but I don't really know. Yeah, and I, we're going to talk about 
just kind of the out of fitness of yes. this Taylor Swift thing. And I would agree, but I, to me, it kind of, it has the same effect. Yeah, exactly. And I like both in it's like, it's a bummer and like disrespectful to Beyonce and also is not helpful to Taylor Swift in any way. Yeah. So, so that's kind of begins her um, press, current press tour that she's on. Mm-hmm. And then we get an Entertainment Weekly cover where she's on, she's on the cover of it. And she's wearing an outfit that I quite like, except for all of the flair that she's added. And she's wearing a denim jacket that has a ton of fucking pins on it. And we're going to break down all of them. But I just want to note, Amanda, that mm-hmm. five days ago last Friday, after that, the after the cover had come out, Entertainment Weekly itself published a blog post that, like, broke down all of the quote-unquote Easter eggs on Taylor Swift's jacket. Mm-hmm. So, like, this whole thing is just so over-orchestrated. It's ridiculous. And yes. That's what's really the problem with Taylor Swift right now. Is it just feels so... It's, like, not even a try-hard. It's just, like, reading from a playbook that no one asked for, basically. And it's really old. It's trying to be young and, like, trying to be hip. And it's, it's very, hey, fellow kids, but still is really old. Like, this is all happening because of an Entertainment Weekly cover, yeah. which is just, like, n- no one under the age of... 35 cares about that? And for some reason, like, Easter eggs are her thing right now. Like, she planted a lot of them on her Instagram before the launch of Me, and then she had some in the Billboard Music Award performance, and then we got to this stupid cover from Entertainment Weekly, in which here are the pins that she has. It's very exhausting. She has one of Selena Gomez. She has several related to the women of Game of Thrones. And also other Game of Thrones characters. She has one of Drake. She's got Cats, the musical that she's going to be in. She's got the Dixie Chicks. She's got a Friends thing. She has Troy Sivan. She has Grey's Anatomy. There's this one that's track five that is related to her discography. There's one of Faith Hill. There's Mr. Rogers. There's Law & Order, Pastel Colors, and Awesome, which is um, related to her new song. And, like, all of these are sort of, like, internet motifs. Mm Mm-hmm popular like and like fandom motifs but she has just sort of like in the worst way appropriated them without any of like the honesty that comes of being a true fan yeah I think that's true and I think that's what she does she appropriates things she sees that things are popular and tries to appropriate them too late and in a much less cool way that it also applies to like I hate me. We don't need to talk about the song. I hated the video. Um, the video is really weird. But the video is also Instagram aesthetic from five years ago. Yeah, and it's like she's literally like five years late and is clearly trying to do a thing now. Trends and coolness are ephemeral, probably useless terms, and I think maybe it works for a mainstream audience. And like I think that there are a lot of people who are still really into pastels and you know being like oh my god I'm a law and order fan like these things trickle down and not everyone is like plugged into the matrix like we are the thing I was saying about this is that I I find all this really craven and a total lack of original ideas which is just a bummer as someone who thought that once upon a time Taylor Swift had original ideas or at least like was good at writing songs I think she I think she was that yeah I think she was good at writing songs and I think she had original ideas yeah 
I do think this is also a little bit of an indictment of like a pop culture moment and especially a fan moment. Like it's both really lame and a mirror to people who are like, I really love all of these things. And my job on the internet is to yell about them really loudly. And if there is, if you say the words like, Aria or Fleabag or Law and Order, like I will appear, you know? Even the idea of Easter eggs is an indictment of exactly. like, Marvel culture. Yeah, which, Sean Fantasy wrote a great piece yeah. for The Ringer a few weeks ago about Easter egg culture as it applies to more traditionally male stuff like Marvel. And but it's it's true everywhere. And that we are rankled by it is probably as much a comment on how involved and like close yeah, we are we're to so it. online, yeah. And I think for a lot of people, they're just like, well, I actually do really like all of these things. And she does, too. And there's nothing wrong with that, which actually, you know what? It's it's actually great to like things. There's there's nothing wrong with it. I think it's when all of the fan culture gets so heightened and that you have to spend a lot of time in it. Totally. uh, That it possibly becomes an issue. Yeah. And I I just think this is a real departure from the really winsome teenager— and 20-something, who wrote Mean, who wrote All Too Well, who wrote Love Song, who wrote Should Have Been Me. Like, Mm -hmm. she had some real hits that felt like so, in some ways, the obviousness of them was what made them so charming. It was just, it was relatable. And I think you had a feel, even if she was like um, the character from um, You Belong With Me, who's the girl in her bedroom dancing, Mm -hmm. like if that is like actually the closest to who Taylor Swift was, that was charming and like understandable and funny. And I just feel like when I watched her performance at the Billboard Music Awards, I felt like really sad. To your point about it, like all being like five years ago, she's wearing these outfits that have barely um, progressed. Like this, this costume has barely evolved since her last tour. She's doing this choreography that is just not suited to a 29-year-old pop star. She is doesn't look comfortable on stage. And it's just so, the, the orchestration to it looks so out of sync with like a natural human being. And I just feel like she doesn't know how to grow up. And it's really sad to me to watch. I I find it kind of hard to take in because I really did love her music. Yeah, I think you're completely right. And you pointed this out a couple weeks ago, and I've been thinking a lot about it. It's very perceptive. It it is kind of like child star syndrome as well. She became really famous as a teenager for a very precocious style of music that still evokes being a teenager. Like those first couple albums, what's amazing about them is that she's able to communicate the experience of being young and having, you know, crushes or um, trying to work through some feelings in a really intelligent, evolved way. But like that was her talent was being like precocious and insightful. And it is hard once you've aged out of precocious. I totally, I think we both can relate to that. Yeah, totally. And And I like... I do think it's also very hard. She's 30. You know, that's like a a sea change for a lot of people. Yeah. And you, I think you're always kind of trying to figure out what your place is in the world as you age, particularly as a woman, particularly when there's such an emphasis on being a woman in your like professional life and the visual aspects of it. But So I understand all of that and kind of searching for a new identity. Yeah, I'm, I'm sympathetic to it. I think that's why I feel sad. Well, I I am sympathetic to that if I thought that that was totally what was going on. Right. I think the other it's problem more craven, here to your point. is that Taylor Swift's fan base has always been teenage girls. I mean, and I think teenage girls and teenage girls at heart and teenage girls at heart can also can include me. 
Well, like us, but also men as well as, you yeah, know, they're like totally. a lot of people could relate to it, but she has always had a fan base of teenage girls, which like who are speaking of fan culture, like quite dedicated and drag their parents to a lot of things and spend a lot of money. It's just kind of like a guaranteed dedicated fan yeah. base. I'll never forget. I went to a Taylor Swift concert um, with For the my Red Tour, right? I went to the Red Tour with my husband and our friend uh, John Caramonica took us. And right before the show, I went to the restroom and I came back out and basically realized that like my husband and John, two adult men, were just standing alone in a sea of like 12 year olds. That's really And funny. I was like, this is not okay. Like I, I am your chaperone and I need to get back to you as soon as possible. <laughs> um, but they are. It's, it's She's for teenagers. And I think she is, has just decided that She's just going to try to get a new generation of teenagers because that's the soundest way to get money. I like such that's kind of what I think is happening. Is like, well, moms and daughters will always kind of listen to this stuff, and instead of trying to grow with her fan base, has is just trying to regenerate her fan base. Right. That's my impression. It's funny, like when you think about the point with teenage girls, how it compares to like boy bands. They. The people in boy bands, Mm -hmm. with a few exceptions, like Justin Timberlake and some others, Mm -hmm. Ricky Martin, I guess, become irrelevant until they're a throwback. Like, the Backstreet Boys are having a moment because they've leaned into, like, being a throwback. But the members of NSYNC, who are not Justin Timberlake, like, are not having a moment. Mm -hmm. And, like, it was kind of, like, similarly sad to see them on stage with Ariana Grande. And it's just something more disposable at boy bands also in large part because they never really wrote their own music. Taylor Swift was so much more in control of her musical fate. Yeah. But she is just not really, I don't think she's found her identity as a as a 30-year-old right. or, or near 30-year-old. In, in her defense, I, like a lot of people have not. I was thinking totally. about Katy Perry, who yes. also targeted young women and the young women at heart. And you can debate whether all of her songs were appropriate for young women, though, you know, this is a sex-positive podcast. So anyway, the point being that she was doing that and then has since tried to to age up as she ages. Right. And those albums and that consciousness raising is not is not equated to album sales. I also think she's made a really big mistake with this song in that if you're she it's written by her, Brendan Neary, who's the guy from Panic at the Disco, whose voice I've always loved. And then the third writing credit on it is this guy named Joel Little, who I believe is either a Kiwi or from Australia. And he's he's got plenty of pop hits, but like if you're Taylor Swift, all of her successful first track from a new album pop releases have been written by Max Martin. And mm-hmm. like, I I don't know why you don't go back to that well. Like this was like a songwriting error as well, which happened to Lord. Like it's, it's like actually like pretty pivotal. And if you look at, in my opinion, like if you look at the women in pop who've been able to age up, they do it alongside Max Martin, like namely Pink and Kelly Clarkson. Mm-hmm. And like, you need like a firm guiding hand to help you like find your next sound. And if Taylor's not going back to country music, which I think I, I really hope she was. We all wanted yeah, we this all want to that. be like the, country return. like the Joni Mitchell, the just yeah. like digging deep, I'm a grown up and I've got thoughts album. Yeah, Cause then, like, I still believe that that's somewhere in here, but like, maybe I'm wrong. Like, maybe it's not there, and maybe she is just kind of a business person and wants to be on, like, the troll soundtrack, like Justin Timberlake. In a lot of ways, it's like Justin Timberlake, and he's had more success literally being trolls than he yeah. has, like, releasing his, you know, weird-ass, like, I Went to the Woods album. Yeah. Which, has anyone listened? I don't even remember. Man of the Woods. Man That's of the what woods. it's called. Oh, I thought you were. I thought, I thought you were. 
um, really thought that was the name. I thought that was funny. Okay. Um, there was a real dissonance. I mean, I, I like watched this really closely because I love these stupid award shows, but there was a real dissonance in watching Kelly Clarkson belt out the song from a new family movie soundtrack mm-hmm. and wearing an age-appropriate dress and being the size that she is now versus the size she was on American Idol, mm-hmm. which I'm sure was a struggle for her. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she had to leave the show and had an emergency appendectomy, but she was like an adult. She hosted, she sang... To your point, it was like yeah. basically a song from Trolls. Great song. Um, versus Taylor Swift, who's been as famous, not quite as long, but has been through like a sort of right. similar thing, who has not found her red gown that's age appropriate. Yeah, that's true. Though, like, it is a different thing. Like, yeah. Kelly Clarkson has always been a slightly more mature, like slightly adult contemporary, you know, American Idol, more mainstream type thing. I And like Kelly, there was a whole wave of optimism in the late aughts. Yeah. That Kelly Clarkson was not a part of, even though like it, we just she was like a slightly different market. Yeah, and Taylor Swift has been trying to compete at like the high level. Right, she and also it's has a really, way better vocalist, and it's really hard to compete at that level sure. and to stay relevant. So I agree. I like I don't know whether I think that Taylor Swift just needs to be like I'm out. I don't need to be a pop star anymore. I can just kind of have a successful middle grade career. But again, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe she doesn't have like the brilliant album and reinvention in her. It doesn't seem like that. She the, made a critical error not working with Max Martin or like Benny Blanco. Yeah. The other thing I'll say is that in pop, being a pop star has always required a lot of visual taste and yeah. ability, both dancing, but in terms of being able to put together great music videos and, um, you know, pulling off the clothes, like creating an image. Like imagery has always been important, but it is more important than ever now. Oh, totally. That's with Instagram. I mean, that's just how Beyonce exists, like purely through imagery at this point. Not purely. Please, she's a complex woman. Please don't yell at me. I love Beyonce more than anyone. But it is a it's a important part of her communication. And Taylor Swift is just not visually no. Not visually there. Her music videos have always been a disaster. Style has always been like a ups and downs with her. She's not a natural dancer, which is fine, nor am I, nor is Rihanna. And, you know, Rihanna is now no longer a pop star. She's turned a pop star into being like a fashion mogul. But it it is, it's a particularly tough moment for Taylor Swift to be trying to compete in the space. Totally. Because she's not doing what she's good at. And the co-opting of just so many things. We didn't even mention the rainbow stuff. It's just like, I don't know. Just oh, yeah. Like taking the sort of like rainbow motif— mm-hmm. As like your no, own. No, I agree. I mean, like, then turning that into an Easter egg is yeah. like a whole, yeah, that's, it's not great. Tough times. I hope her music is good. I hope that the Dixie Chicks pin does foreshadow a Dixie Chicks collaboration. That would be great. It would be. You know who's great? The Dixie Chicks. I know. I've been listening to them a lot lately. Just, they've got bangers. Yeah. They really do. All righty. We'll be back in two weeks. We hope that everyone figures out better PR in the meantime. <laughs> 